athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Welcome to another edition of the program. I am your host, Donald Ware. Early Memorial Day for me. Early Memorial Day for me. We're going to have some fun today on the program. It's some things that we got to get to on the program. We've got NBA playoffs. We've got Nick Saban taking shots at Deion Sanders. And overall... At HBCU Football, I'm going to have more on that and what I want to do today, having a little bit of fun. So generally, and again, it's an early Memorial Day for me. So generally, you know, a lot of times you like to talk about some of the memories maybe that you've had. And One of the things that I'm going to do today is two things. I'm going to give you my list of the top five, what I think are the top five sports movies of all time. And I think the list is going to be reflective of sports movies that I like, but maybe even a general, I wouldn't say a general consensus, but what I would say are good sports movies. Like, for instance, there may be a movie that I like that I really, really like, but maybe not, is a sports movie, but maybe not a great movie per se, right? But I really, really like it, but it, maybe it wasn't a good movie. Conversely, there may be a movie that I, it's not one of my favorite movies, but was a really, really, I thought a really, really good movie. I mean, maybe The Natural is in my top five. Uh, maybe Major League is in my top five. Maybe Bull Durham is in my top five. And these are going to be movies that are fictional movies, meaning they're not going to be documentaries per se or based. I mean, some of them may be based upon a true story, but not documentaries, just straight, uh, more or less fictional movies. So I'm going to have my top five sports movies of all time also so generally on a memorial day uh, type uh, a program that we've had over the years we'll have you know we'll play like some nostalgic music and so forth so i have this great record collection my wife and i really like to collect records which really means i collect the records more so and purchase purchase them more so than even she does but we've got like two or three older record players that we've uh that we've bought that are older with the with the units and 
you know, the stereo system and the big speakers and the older speakers and all of those things. Like, we really get into this thing. By the way, when we're buying these records, forget about the reissues. We don't buy reissued records. We buy the records that came out when they came out. Now, they Sometimes the records may not be first first pressing. In other words, you may have, let's say, uh, you know, a Snoop Dogg, uh, let's say his first record, right? And it may have been, it came out in 94. It may not have been the first first pressing, but it may have been like another pressing, but that still came out in 94 because maybe they added a song, uh, right? So yeah, every now and again, they're going to be those kinds of records. But I'm talking about, okay, the... Snoop's first album came out in 94 and then there's a, a, a reissue in 2016. No, don't get into all of that. Love to hear the crispness of the popping of the records. That's part of it. It's nostalgic. So again, on a Memorial Day type of weekend, which we're getting started early, right? I'm going to give you some of my, uh, some of the favorite records that I have in my collection, right? Like I've probably got some favorite records, some favorite artists that I would would really like to have and by the way I'm a huge hip-hop fan so really into collecting the hip-hop records which are becoming harder to find they're either harder to find or really high priced opposed to some of the other genres of music especially when you're talking about the late or 80s and you're talking about into the mid 90s a little bit and even towards the later or the latter part of the 90s 2000 Records in the 2000s, it depends on the artist whether or not I'll buy them. I'm more going to buy hip-hop records during the golden era of hip-hop, which, what, 87, 88 till about, you know, 90, 98 or so. So those are sort of the records that I'm looking at. But I've got all genres of, of music. I mean, I've got Beatles. You know, we've got... I mean, even got Elvis Presley's first record, Blue Suede Shoes. It was a 45. Even have that. We've got, you know, some Chicago. We've got some Kenny Rogers. We've got some Shirley Caesar. Like, we've got, uh, uh, and by the way, I've ordered, and I don't know, it's going to be here hopefully soon. I've ordered Appetite for the Destruction, the first Guns N' Roses album with the band cover original by the way not again not a reissue not the new cover even though the 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 band cover had come out and then they issued a new cover that same year no the band cover so we've got you know bunch of records and i want to talk about that again when you're talking about a pre-memorial day weekend type of program here on the show you can participate here on the program hit us up via twitter Box to row, B O X T O R O W. As mentioned, want to talk uh, some NBA and want to talk some uh, Nick Saban. And uh, let me talk some NBA. I think when you're looking at the Eastern and the Western Conference finals, I think it's going to be a gentleman's sweep in both of those finals. I mean, I could be wrong. I, I, I think it's going to be a gentleman's sweep when you're talking about the Western Conference finals between the Mavericks and the Golden State Warriors. I, I mean, I just think when you look at Golden State, and, and I like the Mavericks, like I like Luka. Like Luka is amazing. Luka was, uh, has been amazing 
was amazing the first two series. Absolutely amazing because this is the thing about it. And I think I mentioned this on the program last week, especially when we were talking to Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. When you look at NBA champions over the years, and we can look at going back any number of years. You can go all the way back to the 70s, the latter part of the 70s when you're talking about and and into the 80s when you're talking about Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or you're talking about Magic Johnson and James Worthy, right? I mean, spectacular teams. You've always had tandems. I mean, you look at those Spurs teams that were really, really good. You look at Tim Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, and by the way, you had a younger Kawhi Leonard, right? I mean, I, I think when you look at Toronto's championship, I mean, even with Toronto's championship, right, you've got, you know, Kyle Lowry, and you've got, uh, even though I, I would venture to say that Kawhi sort of uh, was the catalyst of that team, but you still had, you know, a, 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 a Lowry that was really good. I mean, you can look at, obviously, the Miami Heat with when they had the big three with LeBron, Wade, and Chris Bosh. I mean, any of those championship teams, right? I mean, there you know, go back to the Knicks with with Clyde Frazier, Earl the Pearl Monroe, or 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 you look at a, a Willis Reed, right? You've got big two, big three champions over the years. So Luca's sort of doing this on his own. Like he's got a good team. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty deep team. Got some guys that can really contribute. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, you've got some guys, there's no doubt about it, but it's not like a one-two combination, right? And so I think with that being said and playing the Warriors who have experience, hadn't been there in a while, but looks like the Warriors haven't missed a beat. Now, you could also say during that Grizzly series, it could have been a situation where it could have easily gone to Memphis. You, you look at, uh, you look at John Morant wasn't 100%. You look at Brooks getting uh, banned or, or getting suspended for a game, which I guess in essence was two because he got he got uh, suspended early, and I think that was game two. And so, I mean, that, that series really could have flipped. That said, I look at the Warriors. I look at Steph Curry, who's the catalyst. I look at Klay Thompson and what he's doing. I look at Draymond Green. I mean, I look at these guys. That's a good team. That's a deep team. Yeah, there's no Gary Payton. I get that. But it's, I mean, it's not like, you know, th- that's icing on the cake with a Gary Payton who's more of a defensive player uh, anyway. So I think that's going to be a gentleman's sweep. I mean, I like what Dallas brings to the table, but it's just not going to be enough. Then I look at the other series, and I look at the Eastern Conference Finals, and I look at the Heat, and I look at the Celtics, and I look at the Heat. You talk about a big two. Right When you're looking at the Celtics, you're talking about Tatum and Brown, and we're not even including Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year, who is really the heart and soul of that team. And, I'm, and I know you have injuries with Al Horford and, and, and Smart to some degree. I mean, I get all of that. But you're looking at, I mean, game one, Jimmy Butler had 41 points. We're talking about a guy, we're debating whether this guy is a superstar in the league or not. He had 41 points points in that ball game okay they've got all of the pieces right and it's a really good team and an excellent coach I look at the Celtics 
I mean, the Celtics have a couple of dynamic players in Brown and Tatum, no doubt about it. Marcus Smart, et cetera, Horford. I mean, you know, Williams, the list goes on and on. But I think it's going to be, I'll say 4-2. to two. I'll say 4-2 to two Miami over the Heat, or excuse me, um, the, the Heat over the Celtics, four games to two, and then four games to one, the Mavericks falling to Golden State. We've got plenty more on the program. Going to comment on the Nick Saban, Deion Sanders situation. Also, going to give you my top five sports movies of all time and take you through our personal record collection on a pre-memorial day type of program. I met this dude with the name of a hat. I didn't even walk away. I didn't give him no rap, but then he got real mad and he got a little tired. If he worked for me, you know he would be fired. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries, so there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars, and it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 802-317-1987. 802-317-1987. 802-317-1987. That's 802-317-1987. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box row. Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. <laughs> yeah, what's happening? This one is dedicated to my armor there. G's up there. Yeah. Ladies and gents, players and pimps, listen. One, two, oh, what shall I do? I'm slipping on my khakis. The blue one. Gonna come here on the program, my top five sports movies of all time. That's still to come. So, we'll talk a, a bit about Nick Saban and. What Nick Saban had to say, I'm going to play a little bit of a soundbite, but what he had to say 
about Deion Sanders and the recruiting of Travis Hunter. And then also what, save it to say, with respect to Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher and that program. And it was pretty, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, he, you know, Saban definitely said a lot. And I mean, he, he, in essence said that Texas A&M had the number one recruiting class because via NIL that Texas A&M was able to play all of its players in the class. And then he also mentioned, and, and he referenced newspapers and stuff like this being in the newspapers, which I thought Nick Saban wasn't a friend to the media necessarily. I mean, what I mean by that is he's always talking about the media this, the media says that, you guys say this, you guys say that. And then he mentions the fact that he read it in a newspaper. He talked about Travis Hunter, of course, one of the top recruits in the country that is coming to Jackson State was landed by Deion Sanders and said that he was paid a million dollars, meaning Travis Hunter, to come to Jackson State. Deion Sanders responded also on Twitter. Travis Hunter responded as well. I'm going to get to that. But let me – I don't like to really get into sound bites because when I first heard about this, I, heard, I saw a snippet of it. And then I went back and watched not only what Nick Saban talked about in terms of NIL and mentioning Texas A&M because the bulk of what he was talking about didn't really – it wasn't necessarily – about Jimbo Fisher or Deion Sanders. The bulk of it was about NIL. And in the broader scope of, this was like one of those TED Talk type of deals where it was him, it was the head men's basketball coach at Alabama at Alabama talking to an audience of business people in Birmingham who contribute to the Alabama program, which I think in of itself, and we're talking about NIL is sort of uh, interesting in of itself, let me play this soundbite, especially what he talked about in reference to Deion Sanders and Travis Hunter. That's what college athletics is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something where people come and make money. And you make a decision about where you go to school based on how much money you're going to make. You should make a decision based on where you have the best chance to develop as a person, as a student, and as a player, which is what we've always tried to major in. And we're going to continue to do that. And hopefully there's enough people out there that will want to do it. But I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's tough, and people blame the NCAA. But in defense of the NCAA, we are where we are right, because of the litigation that the NCAA gets, like the transfer portal. Every time somebody wanted to transfer, they'd apply for a waiver. Right? If you didn't give them, if the NCAA didn't give them a waiver so they could be immediately eligible, they filed suit. So the NCAA would back off and give them a waiver. So they just said, we're just going to make a rule where everybody can transfer. That's how that happened. So if the NCAA doesn't get some protection from litigation, whether we got to get an antitrust or whatever it is, from a federal government standpoint, 
this is not going to change because they cannot enforce their rules, just like Nate said. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So, um, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. That's a problem. And, and unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't know what we're going to do about it. I don't know what we're going to do about it. Nick Saban talking again to some Birmingham businessmen who support the Alabama, not just the football program, but Alabama athletics and I'm sure Alabama University or the University of Alabama as a whole. He says, I don't know what we're going to do about it because he's so he's mad a because he lost a recruiting battle in terms of being the number one recruiting class to Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M. Number one. Number two, he's mad because he lost Travis Hunter to Deion Sanders and Jackson State. Correct me if I'm wrong. Deion Sanders and Nick Saban were in a insurance commercial together. I mean, like, am I am I wrong about that? So all of a sudden now it's sour grapes. And see, this is the thing. It's 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 so many things that are wrong. And, and again, I just played a snippet for you. I, it was about a seven minute soliloquy, in essence that Saban mentioned, and I, I invite you to, to to find it and check it out because I think you have to listen to this in the context, and I think in the broader context, you have to under, you have to even go back to Alabama's uh, head men's basketball coach and sort of how he responded to um, to the to the NIL question. I think he was more succinct. Nate Oates, he was more succinct in what he had to say. Okay, so. You have a, a, a Nick Saban with a sour grapes type of mentality, right? Um, see, it's all good. This is the thing, and in, in, in indirect response, more so to Deion Sanders and, and what uh, and what uh, Nick Saban had to say about Deion Sanders. And I mean, first of all, that that isn't even true. The fact that or or what he says, Travis Hunter got a million dollars to come play at Jackson State. It's not true it is false number one okay and he mentioned that the papers mentioned it no the papers did not mention that okay see this is the thing right and and again i first of all i'll agree you have to listen to the 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 piece in its entirety he talked about nil he talked about the transfer portal i mean they're both really out of control and i agree with that 100 percent. i mean i think that players should be able to make some kind of money, but the way this NIL is not the way, and then the transfer portal is out of the control, and, and really, in a lot of respects, both the NIL and the transfer portal are linked. That's another conversation for another day. But see, when it comes to HBCUs, right? Like it's all good until like like it was all good with Nick Saban, uh, with Deion Sanders, right? It was all good until. Deion Sanders went out and got Travis Hunter, right? Who Nick Saban wanted, right? So now it's not all good. Now 
Saban is mad. He's going to air his grievances. I mean, I think, you know, this, I mean, he's, he's, he's got to know that this, I mean, he knows this thing is being recorded. So I don't, I don't know, like, I don't know if he did this on purpose uh, or just, uh, I, I don't know, just, just got caught up in the moment. Um, you know, but the shots that he took at both uh, Deion Sanders and, and Jumbo Fisher were uncalled for, and Jimbo Fisher did respond, but to the point about Travis Hunter being paid to come to Jackson State just are not true. Number two, I, you know, and even outside of the scope of a Nick Saban and mentioning the whole Travis Hunter thing, I mean, I think a lot of times we we meaning HBCU people. I mean, I think there's there's obviously no doubt in HBCU movement. There's an interest in HBCUs, an interest in HBCU athletics, HBCU sports, HBCU football, and players going to HBCUs. The movement is here has been going on now uh, for quite for for a couple of years now, uh, right? And we always talk about HBCUs as underdogs. Well. We are underdogs, and I'm an HBCU grad as a Morgan State University grad. We are underdogs, but not to the degree I think that some people think that we are. In other words, you know, I've heard some responses, and people are mad at Nick Saban because of what he said, but also because he came at Jackson State, Deion Sanders, and an HBCU. And I think that's why some people are mad. And I would say this. We are underdogs in a lot of respects, right? But we've got a great tradition as HBCU schools, okay? Uh, I think that uh, we talk, you you hear a lot of talk about what we don't have, right, as HBCUs. Well, let let me talk to you about what we do have. And not everything is a woe is me situation as it relates to HBCUs. We do have some things, right? I'll give you an example. North Carolina A&T, when it goes play goes to play football games and it has to fly to play football games, we talk about bus rides and these long bus rides and all of those kinds of things. Well, guess what? A&T flies charter to its football games. Truth be told, flies charter. So, I mean, that's not a woe is me situation. I mean, you I think you just have to be smart about what you're doing, right? Uh, if A&T is going to fly chartered to some games and I don't know if this is the case now but it used to be a time back in the day I mean this is nothing new for A&T and she used to fly charter you know back in the early part of the 2000s what A&T would do is have it, it would okay you carry the football team the personnel but then charge you know alumni whoever else wanted to come on the plane you would charge them whatever it was for the seat to fly charter so then you're able to recoup some of that cost as well listen I'm going to I'm going to pause right here, come back and we'll continue this conversation. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I always say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, 
We are representation for women and for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the granite takes them all in and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you can get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what it's good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Went to Salem State where I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. He called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Planet Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a... A big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was playing for Coach Day. He gave me the keys to, to the car, and I was driving it in first eight games. And you know, being a part of something special like that, and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one, is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. Woo-hoo! And you're listening to From the Press Box 
to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. We're back here on the program on the other side. I wanted to finish up the conversation talking about Nick Saban and his comments with respect to Deion Sanders and his recruitment of Travis Hunter. Also, uh, to a lesser degree, his comments to, to about uh, the Texas A&M program and Jumbo Fisher and the Texas A&M program having the number one recruiting class because it paid all of its players via NIL in that recruiting class. So I was talking about uh, A&T and uh, A&T flying charters uh, to to play opponents uh, in football. I mean, that that's that's what A&T has done. So it's you know, listen, I mean, when. When we look at the scope of HBCU football, like and I think what we do is we com- we we try to compare ourselves to like power five conferences and and trying to recruit. And that's when you see, well, there's a lack of facilities and you got to take, you know, 12 hour bus rides and all of those things. Those now that's not to say that that isn't the case or those things don't happen at some schools, but to paint all HBCUs in that manner, I think is is not right. It is wrong. It is more of a woe is me a type of scenario as opposed to what is real. Now, if you're comparing facilities of an Alabama to a Jackson State, that's, that's an issue, right? But let's compare the facilities of a Jackson State to... Uh, to, uh, to, for instance, I'm just trying to think, Mississippi. I mean, I, I don't want to say Southern Miss because Southern Miss is FBS, but an FCS program. Like, I think you have to compare FC. You have to compare like programs. You can't compare these schools, A&T, Jackson State, Bethune-Cookman, Florida A&M, Prairie View A&M, whoever it may be, particularly at the FCS level, to schools in the Power Five. Well, of course, the, the there's going to be a discrepancy in terms of facilities. There's going to be a discrepancy in terms of travel. There's going to be a discrepancy in terms of a lot of things. Got to remember, and we got to keep it in line, why HBCUs were, uh, were even established because black folks as a whole in the United States of America unable to be educated in the at large at schools that were already established, especially those schools in the South. I can't remember if it's the University of Virginia or UNC. That's the oldest public institution in the country. Guess what? No black folks went there for many. And we're talking about schools being established in the 1700s, maybe until what then maybe the night maybe the 1950s most likely the 1960s right so that's why these schools w- were established which is why we call them historically black colleges and universities and you know you got a number you know y- y- you can be doesn't matter your your race or color uh in terms of being able to go to these schools um by the way it's just historically black colleges and universities 
But I mean, we, we got to stop taking this woe is me attitude in this woe is me scenario. Okay. Yes. It, it, you you have to do let's what, what about what are some of those schools on the FCS level doing like and even look at this I mean I know we're in the digital age and the digital space now and everybody you know most conferences especially when you're talking about FCS conferences have some kind of agreement um, for digital programming whether it's on you know ESPN plus or whatever the case may be Right. You have that and, that and ESPN is the leader. I mean, let's just call it what it is. ESPN is the leader in that. So a lot of conferences have the digital platform, you know, ESPN three, ESPN plus, whatever it may be. But remember, before the digital space really came, became big, there were only two conferences that had deals with ESPN. That was the SWAT and that was the MIAC. And you remember prominently and those games still happen Thursday nights with respect to the games being shown on ESPNU but for a long time you look at FCS conferences only two conferences the MIAC and the SWAC had that kind of exposure so you know and then you look at the classics I mean you look at the SWAC for many many years and still does leads FCS in terms of attendance so I think we have to stop comparing apples and oranges and, and because believe believe me, there are a lot of FCS programs that are uh, that are non HBCU FCS programs that have some of the same challenges that HBCU FCS programs have. You know, you, you, it's Division Two when you're talking about CIAA, you're talking about SIAC, some of the other schools related to the Division Two, and then you know, even, even more, even further when you're talking about NAIA schools. I mean, that's just a different challenge. Okay. But let's compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges and not apples to oranges. I'm glad to see the Renaissance that we're seeing, no doubt with respect to HBCUs, because we're now seeing a situation where there is more exposure. There is more of a, a knowledge of why our schools were established where we came from, why they are, are important, why they were important then, and further continue to be important. They continue to be important. No doubt about that, but I think we got to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges and believe it. I mean, you've heard the, the statements from various coaches about what, and I'm, I'm, I'm singling out Jackson State and Deion Sanders in this respect because when you talk about a Travis Hunter, I mean, nobody, no other school is getting, you know, HBCU is getting a guy like a Travis Hunter. But you've heard many comments. And it's not like Nick Saban's making the first comment. I mean, I think when it gets down and dirty and we get down in the trenches and we want to get down and dirty, right? And we want, in other words, those big schools want to be able to help you out, right? They, 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 want, to, they want to say, hey, we helped in HBC. They want to, you know, they, they want to be able to toot their own horn and be able to, say we assisted an HBCU in this. And I, I mean, I, sometimes it's genuine. It is genuine to a degree until it becomes competition. And once it becomes competition and you're a Jackson State and a Deion Sanders and you get a Travis Hunter or you get whatever player, a lot of these players, not just Travis Hunter, he just happened to be one of the top players in a five-star recruit, but you get some of these players that, these bigger schools had looked to recruit. Then it becomes, 
oh, you black school. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not one of those things where it's a partnership. It's like, oh, I can't believe we got out recruited by a black school. Right. So it's an unfortunate situation. I think the context to me um, from Nick Saban was just that. I thought he and Dion were boys. Right. I mean, they did the they did the whole insurance commercial thing and all of those things until it's all fun and games until it becomes serious. Right. And and until ultimately, um, <laughs> ultimately, Deion Sanders gets a player that um, that uh, Nick Saban wanted. Also, let, let's hear the response. Let's hear what Jimbo Fisher, head coach, head football coach, Texas A&M, had to say in response to Nick Saban's comments about, uh, in essence, Alabama being out-recruited by Texas A&M, Texas A&M having the number one recruiting class and paying those recruits. Coach, uh, like to respond to some comments made last night in Alabama? Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And if they broke state laws, that they're, that they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top and the parody in college football he's been talking about, Go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it, and it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it for our players who are coming here who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way. I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. Jimbo Fisher in response to Nick Saban's comments. And he was, I mean, he was, he was, and I, I watched that entire press, that it, actually that entire press conference uh, because there was a Q&A afterwards. And I mean, I think 
where we are in, and I've said this before, I just think where we are in college athletics to me, I mean, it, and, and even Saban made a good point again that we didn't play that particular clip, but he just talked about where things were and where things stand with the NIL. It's like, you know, once you start paying players, uh, then it's then it's no longer athletics. I mean, I don't I'm not sure about that, but I know the way things are right now. I mean, it's amateur sports. I mean, I guess I'm just old school. I believe that perhaps players should get some kind of compensation. But when you start paying players and I get it, name, image and likeness. I mean, I guess everything can't be fair. I liked it the way it was before when the NCAA had it. You got the scholarship. Everything was across the board, so you didn't have all of these different things that we have now. But it's just out of control. I mean, I can't half keep up with it. And it, I'm really turned off by it, to be honest with you. I'm turned off a lot of times by college athletics as it relates, and on the on the bigger level, as it relates specifically to the NIL. You throw the transfer portal into that, and college athletics is simply out of control. And I'm not a fan. I'm a pro sports guy as it is, not a fan of where things sit overall in collegiate athletics. We'll be back. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-726-0144. 800-726-0144. That's 800-726-0144. Box to Row.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. Box to Row.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? Box to Row.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All American teams and weekly media coaches' polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And Box to Row.com. Your HBCU sports leader. It's Donald Ware. We're back here on the program, and you can join us. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W. Early Memorial Day type of program here. And so now, you know, we talked about Deion Sanders, we talked about Nick Saban and Deion Sanders. That is, and Jimbo Fisher, and we talked a little uh, NBA. We talked some, uh, uh, just we've been didn't, we've been serious right on the program. Now let let's have a little fun now on the program. So I said I would give my top five, and I'll call this my top five favorite movies because it's hard to say. Okay, what's a you know top five movie? It's open to conjecture, right? And I haven't seen every single movie 
that there is. But what I would say is that if there's a particular movie that comes on and I'm going to sit down, I'll sit down and watch it. If it comes on regular television, I will sit back and watch. So I've come up with six. Sorry. I'm going to give you an honorable mention and the honorable mention being the natural. Like I remember, I can't remember if it was like early 80s, maybe 81 or 82 when the movie came out. May have gone to the movie theater to see it. I know my mother was a huge fan of it, so I've seen it, but I can't remember if it was, we saw it on VHS back in the day. You remember how I used to go to Errol's and rent the, you know, rent the VHS tapes or if we went to the movies. May have gone to the movies to see this, but Robert Redford, Wilford Brinkley. I mean, you had some, you know, I mean, it was, it was a fantastic fantastic movie it had a lot of elements right that's the thing what makes up a good sports movie you've got to have the sports aspect like just because there's a minimal amount of sports in a movie doesn't make it a sports film per se I think the natural had all of the elements you had a you know you had a something that uh, in, in a lot of respects could have been a true story you had a love interest element in the story and then you had the baseball aspect and you had a situation where you had the main character who be, who was for it was an older guy for many years lounged or languished in the minor leagues and then all of a sudden was in major league baseball and was at the highest was the highest level of baseball that there was and Robert Redford mega mega star so, I mean, I've got to go with the natural sort of as a um, sort of as a, a, um, a an honorable mention. Uh, right. And I'm looking at some of the people that were in it. Man, I didn't I don't know if I remember if Barbara Hershey was in it. We got Glenn Close was in it. Kim Basinger. Man, what a film uh, that was. So let's go to the top five. And, and, and I think for number five for me is Rocky. Now, you know, which Rocky? Right. You've got. So many in the franchise, you've got the, you know, you've got Creed, you've got Creed 2. I mean, I think for me, I mean, I think for me, it's got to be Rocky 3. Like, Rocky was the first one. That was, I think that was 76. And I, I, I want to say that Sylvester Stallone won the Academy Award for Best Actor. I, I want to say that. But... When I think about Rocky Three, to me, it's the most memorable one because it's the one where Mr. T was in the Rocky. Was a huge Mr. T fan, um, and so the A Team and all of that. So for me, Rocky Three was the, if I had to pick any of the Rockies in terms of my my favorite Rocky film in in that Rocky franchise, then for me, it would be Rocky Three. At number four, got to go with Love and Basketball, right? Omar Apps, Sanaa Lathan in that movie. I mean, that was a great movie. What was that like 2000, I think, that that came out and um, really enjoyed that. was, uh, you know, great storyline. Again, you're talking about the basketball element. And by the way, the Rocky, go back to the Rocky Three. you look at the elements, you've got a love interest there. You've got the boxing, the sport, you've got all of the elements for Rocky, Rocky and specifically Rocky three. And 
uh, just like uh, love and basketball. You've got the love interest deal going on, which I don't know that 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 was a a really big part of love and basketball. But interestingly enough, look at the title love and basketball. I think it's 50 50 when you're talking about the love interest part or some other things. And then you're talking about the actual sport part of it. Now, buddy of mine mentioned to me the other day. Yeah, but. You know, Omar Epps wasn't the greatest ball player. wasn't the greatest ball player uh, that there was. You know, you, you know, Dwayne Martin would have would have you know from a basketball playing standpoint probably would have been you know sort of the pick um, maybe for for that movie. But a really really good movie. It's a movie that I'll you know watch when it comes on. I mean, Dennis Hasbert was in that movie. Regina Hall. You know, Alfre Woodard. I mean, that's an old star cast in love and basketball that I had at number four. Number three, Hoosiers. Now, that was 86, if I'm not mistaken. No, I went to the movie theater to go and see Hoosiers. I mean, I think one of, you know, I think when you're talking about one of the great actors of our time, you're talking about Gene Hackman. Like, Gene Hackman was absolutely phenomenal. Bob uh, uh, Barbara Hershey was also in that in that film, uh, Dennis Hopper, you know, and I don't know, I can't remember who else was in that film, but I don't know if a lot of, the, I mean, those, you know, those three were established actors, right? Established already. You talk about one of the great, I mean, Dennis Hopper's probably an underrated actor of our time. So you're talking about some really good actors in this movie. Again, a lot of the basketball movies, the ones that I'm picking, and you'll see the as we go on, but they, there's a love interest. There's the sport, and then there's the love interest. But I think, and there's a there's a slight love interest, slight love interest between Jen, Gene Hackman and Barbara Hershey. But it's more about the basketball and the essence of of high school basketball during the '50s in the state of Indiana. Hoosiers, I got it number three, and number two. I got Major League. <laughs> I sit out and watch Major League every time it comes on. Like, it came out, I think it was 89 when it came out, right? And, you know, I think it was rated R. We weren't allowed to see rated R movies. So I didn't see it. But once we got, we we didn't get cable until 1990. And so once we got cable and got HBO, Major League used to come on all the time. Like, I remember the first movies that I ever saw on cable that I didn't see in the movie theaters, movies like Major League, movies like The Mighty Quinn with Denzel Washington are two of the ones that really stand out in my mind as two of the of the movies uh, that I seen uh, that I saw when Cable first came out. I mean, look at the the cast. You know, Charlie Sheen, you've got Wesley Snipes, you've got Dennis Haysbert. I mean, you've got, you know, Rene Russo and Tom Berenger was in that movie. I mean, you've got a plethora of actors in Major League. It is one of my favorite movies. And there's a love interest. Notice how all of these sports movies have a genuine and a and a great love interest, less, less Hoosiers, which doesn't have as great a love interest. And Rocky maybe, I think Rocky has more of a love interest than does Hoosiers. But there is some there. But you look at, again, talking about at number two, Major League, a great love interest between Tom Berenger 
and Rene Russo. I've got Major League at number two. At number one, and this is, the again, the number one movie that's my favorite sports film of all time, and I'll sit down and watch it every time it comes on. White Men Can't Jump. Love White Men Can't Jump. Went to the movies. That was 92, if I may, maybe 91, late 91, early 92, um, when that movie when that movie came out. And, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, you're talking about Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson, Rosie Perez. And again, I mean, there wasn't, now in this one, there wasn't a love interest per se. Woody Harrelson and Rosie Perez were together, right? But it wasn't like, I mean, they they ultimately broke up because of Woody Harrelson's actions. I don't want to, I mean, I would have hoped by this time you would have seen it, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give it away for those that haven't seen it. And it was such a successful movie in the tandem of both Woody Har- of, of Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson that they they uh, they they made an, another film with the two of them, Money Train. If you remember that came, out, I think that was 90, 94, right? So not necessarily a love interest in that movie, but a fun. I watch it every time it comes on television. Your thoughts? On my top five, so I'm going to go through them again. Number five, Rocky, and specifically Rocky Three. Number four, I've got Love and Basketball. Number three, I've got Hoosiers. Number two, I've got Major League. And number one, I've got White Men Can't Jump. Your thoughts or give me your top five. Hit me up via Twitter, uh, and it's top five sports films of all time. Hit me up via Twitter at Box2Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Before we get out of here, again, celebrating Memorial Day a little bit early and got this great record collection. So, you know, April 23rd was was record store day, right? I went to the a record store in Greensboro. I, I got a, you know, I got a, I got an Ice Cube America's Most Wanted. And remember, I don't get those reissues. I get the the original. I got, um oh, I got a Tupac album. He had, he had like a double CD. Uh, oh man, I can't think of which one, but it had gotten that. More recently, went to the record store, got uh, Snoop's first album, legit first pressing, right? Got uh, LL Cool J's I'm Bad, uh, right? I mean, listening to to that, I'm not, I'm not a huge LL Cool J, but that that was a must-get record. I mean, we've got, you know, these this great record collection. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got like Scarface's first album and you know, all of the ghetto boys and NWA and I, like I said, Chicago and we've got Elvis Presley got records all over the place at the house. I brought a couple of the records in today to the studio uh, just so I could remember some of the records I brought the last uh, couple of weeks. Huge, huge record store collector. I got to get ready to run. Thank you for making the program a part of your day. And always remember to support those that support your box. Toro is produced by EW Communications. There's a million MCs that claim they want some, but see, I create sounds that make your ears go numb. 
Chris here and Zab here, you know how we go. My best friend Steven at the Home Depot. Rorotin is in the house, I can't forget Southside. Walk past some seas like that girl did the far side. I'm labeled as the cat's meow, the MC with the know-how. Act like you know, not now, but right now. Beast of the East on them seas, I have a feast. I eat that ass like quiche, crack a smile like Shanice. Should I Jamaica scene, Jamaica Queens?